Thanks for listening to the Velocity Church podcast. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Now here's the message. Welcome, Velocity Church. Hope y'all had a great Thanksgiving. Today we're starting our series on good question. Uh, We took eight questions and we put a poll on loop and we had the church vote on these particular questions and we picked the top three questions that you would like to have answered. And so the first question today is, are we in last days? Are we in last days? It's a great question. I believe it's a question for the times today that we're living in. And so we're going to go to the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about last days. We're going to talk about what are last days and how the Bible defines last days. We're also going to be talking about what are the signs of last days, because the Bible tells us there will be signs that we would uh, see to know that last days are approaching. And we're going to also talk about eschatology, some terms of eschatology, eschatology meaning the, the study of end times, the coming to the last age. Uh, we're going to have terms about rapture, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, those kind of questions. Uh, and, and let me just say this right now. We can differ on our eschatology, and we don't need to be divided about that. If, you know, if some people believe in the rapture, pre-tribulation, some people believe in uh, mid-tribulation, some believe in post-tribulation. And, and we don't need to divide over that if we disagree about that. The one thing we have to agree about is that Jesus is Lord and that he bought and paid for our sins on the cross and shed his blood for us. And if we believe that and we accept that, and then we accept the free gift of righteousness, then we become saved, born again through him. That's what we have to be dogmatic about. That cannot change. But on the timing, the fine details, sometimes the interpretation of Scripture, uh, sometimes we can differ on that. But listen, that's not to divide us at all. And so if you don't agree what we're teaching here today, we're not to divide over that. But I believe here today to explain the belief of this ministry and what I believe as a pastor to be true, uh, the way I interpret scriptures is that I let scripture interpret scripture. Meaning if I find a scripture that I'm having a little trouble with interpreting, I'll find other scriptures that will, because they all weave together. They're all intertwined together. They never contradict. So what I have today, a lot of scripture talking about end times. And listen, I cannot, through 30 minutes, give you everything on end times. We're just going to touch a few of these things. We'll have another Bible study uh, after the first of the year concerning end times that we'll do and to really cover a lot of it. But in this first 30 minutes, I'm not going to be able to hit everything. So we're going to hit some things here today. And so before we go, let's ask the Lord to bless this time that we're gathering here together. We're studying his word and that we can receive his word with meekness, the engrafted word that's able to change our souls. Father, we come to you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. 
that you've given us. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we thank you, Father God, that this Word today that's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword that can transform our minds, Lord, that can speak to our spirits. We ask today, Lord, that when we go through your your word today, that the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, would guide us and teach us all things and give us remembrance of things. And Father, we give you careful praise for all the fruit that's born today. We praise you, we thank you, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's turn to Acts first. And like I said, we're we're using a lot, so get your Bibles out, get you a pad, get you paper, take a lot of good notes here. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot of Scripture because, like I say, we're interpreting Scripture by Scripture. And so Acts chapter 2, and when you go here, what's taking place in Acts chapter 2, let me, let me, let me say what's happening. We're going to be in verse 14, but before we get started, Jesus has died, he's resurrected, and he's come back to the earth for 40 days in the book of Acts. It says for 40 days that he preached in the book of Corinthians, it says, to over 500 people. He preached to 500 people concerning things that pertain to the kingdom of God. That means that he wasn't just talking about the sweet by and by, about how to get born again, but he was also talking about benefits and privileges and things that you have as a believer uh, in the kingdom of God, be healing or provision or deliverance, those type of things that he was preaching for 40 days, things that pertain to the kingdom of God, to over 500 men. And he told them before he left and before he ascended into heaven, he told them to wait for them for the promise of the Spirit in Jerusalem. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, wait for the promise of the Spirit in Jerusalem. And so he spoke that to 500 men, how many people were in the upper room that day? 120 people. Makes you think, what happened to the other 380? Uh, maybe they couldn't wait. Uh, it's just like today, you know. Um, sometimes people just, you know, even, even with pastor, that gives me encouragement, you know, if I tell people, hey, be here, uh, and, you, and you tell a number of people, Sometimes people are going to have excuses or going to have things, and it's not going to be priority for them to be there. So Jesus told 500, and 120 showed up. And that 120, they're in the upper room, they're praying, and they're doing what Jesus told them to do, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does come on the day of Pentecost. It comes in, and there's a rushing wind. It fills up the room, and it begins filling up those believers, and they begin speaking in tongues, they begin prophesying, and there's people around them that hear that. Because at the day of Pentecost, there were different nations celebrating that day of Pentecost. And so being there, there was different nationalities, different tongues. So when they began speaking, the Holy Spirit came upon that 120, and they began speaking in tongues, some of the people there present heard their own language being spoken. And then there were people there that were mocking. How many of you know that in this life you're going to have mockers? People that mock Christianity, mock going to church, mock God, mock Jesus Christ. 
a mockery, and I'm going to tell you why they do that. <clears throat> Peter talks about this. He says, in the last days there will be scoffers, mockers, haters. Why do they do that? It says, because they walk in their own lust. They desire their own lust. The reason that they mock is they desire and walk in their own lust. They don't want to submit to a Lord and Savior. They don't, don't want to submit to a God. They walk in their own lust. They want to be their own God. They want to call their own shots. They don't want to submit to anybody. And so that's where you have mockery. That's where mockery comes. So there were some mockers there that said this to Peter and those in 120 that were in the upper room that were speaking in tongues and prophesying and praising God. They said, these guys are drunk. These guys are full of new wine. They're drunk. Now let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And so the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them as Jesus promised. And so Peter gets up and he preaches his first sermon. And this is what he says. But Peter, standing up with eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. You're not drunk, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is what was sp spoken by the prophet Joel. Now hear this, because this is the definition of what the Bible calls last days. Look at this. And it shall come to pass in last days. Last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy you know, prophesy is is right now I'm, I'm i'm teaching the word i'm preaching the word i'm prophesying prophesying edifies it builds up it's not just preachers when you're out in the store and someone is maybe you're at walmart or h-e-b and you see someone and they're down and they're and they're in their need and you begin uh, encouraging them and says god's gonna pull you through just trust in the lord have faith in god when you do that, you're prophesying. And so that, that spirit of the Holy Spirit came upon them, and he says, and this is what's going to happen in last days. They shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's servants and my maid servants, he says again, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Now we're going to stop right there. We're going to pick up in verse 19, but I want you to catch this here in a minute. Last days begins when Jesus, after he died on the cross and was resurrected and sits at the right hand of the Father, last days begin. The last days begin from then to the time of his second coming. So that's the period, that period of the time that Jesus is resurrected. He's in heaven. God poured out. Remember, he goes to the Holy, the Holy he, Jesus goes to heaven. He says, wait for the Holy Spirit. It's poured out on him. Last days begin. Peter, it's, the, it's a day of grace. These first four verses we read here, in verses 14 through 18, it's the grace age. It's, it's the age that we are right now. It's the acts of the church. We're in the book of Acts. It's the acts of the church. How many of you know the acts of the church are still going? We'll still, we're still prophesying, folks. We're still preaching the word. We're still building up. We're still edifying people. We're still having dreams. Amen. At least we should be having dreams. We should be having visions. We should be working for the Lord and serving the Lord. We should have our hand to the plow. Amen. And so 
This is the age of grace right here. And this is the age of the church. And so last days begins when Jesus resurrected from the time that his second coming will take place. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says that, it says, and and times in the past that God spoke in various ways and times in the past through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken us through Jesus Christ. He has spoken through Jesus Christ in these last days. So biblically, we're in last days from when Peter preached his sermon, when he's quoting the book of Job, the prophet Job. So matter of fact, here's, here's how you can look at it. The apostle Peter was in last days. The apostle Paul was in last days. We are in last days. But it's been 2,000 years now, and we're closing into that age, the end of the age, where the second coming will take place. Look at verse 19 through 21. So that first verses that I just read about Peter speaking from the prophet Joel, it's talking about what we're in right now. It's witnesses, pouring out our spirit, prophesying. We're in that age right now. But look at verse 19 through 21. This is Peter still speaking now in one breath here. All right. He says, and I will show who will show. God says, I will show wonders in heaven above the signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and a vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming and the great awesome day of the Lord. Catch that the great day, the coming and the great what's what's the coming talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it shall come to pass that whoever, say that with me here this morning, whoever, that, listen, whoever, doesn't just mean church folks, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there's your definition of really of last days. So are we? here's the question. Are we in last days? Yes, we're in last days. We've been in last days since... The church began in the book of Acts. We've been in last days since then. We're still in last days, but we are getting close. And Jesus discusses this with his disciples to be signs in that age. Now let's look over here. Let me flip over into Timothy here real quick. I was talking to the church here this morning that to find the book of Timothy, I'm going to tell you a little trick that I use. Pastors tell you a little, you think, oh, we have everything memorized. When I'm looking for Timothy, I know all the T's are together. Thessalonians, Titus, Timothy. So if you find one T, you're going to find the other one. So there's your little, there's your little side note there to help, help you. All right. So 2 Timothy chapter 3. How do we know the signs of times? Look at this. Chapter 3. But know this in last days. What are we talking about? Are we in last days? Yes. That in last days, perilous times will come. Now, this is going to be a description how you can know that we're in last days. For men will be lover of themselves. Know a few of those. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders. I mean, it is amazing today. 
all the slandering that goes on, especially in our in our politics, people will be up there just just lying away, just <laughs> lying, and and you call them out on that, and the and and they're like, so what? You know, yeah, you caught us in a lie, and they just don't even excuse it. They just just lie now. You know, if you catch us, you catch us. If you don't, you don't. You know. So this is in last days. Without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power. Folks, you got you to watch out for some of this stuff that tries to creep into church that has a form of godliness. You know, it seems like it's, oh, humility and and uh, you got to watch out for this new age type teaching. Uh, you, I, sometimes you can, I can hear people talk and they got a mixture of the gospel, the Christianity, and new age, both. And you, and you got to be aware of these kind of things. Um, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power. There's no power there. It's just a form. It's just a shape. They, uh, they look godly, but there's no substance there. And from such people, turn away, is what the Apostle Paul says about this. Now, you know, we've had people that have lovers of themselves, disobedient, boasters, proud, all throughout our life. But it becomes the norm. If you, if you notice and you, you watch anything on TV and just people in general, how, they're, they're, how they, the world, I'm talking about the world, okay? We're in this world, but we're not of this world. But the world's culture and view, it's all about themselves. And it's, 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 these are signs of last days. Matter of fact, Jesus talks about that the signs of last days, uh, you know, it will be like a, a woman giving birth. That when you start having the contractions, like if you take a, your wife for your child, I remember Dina took her first child danielle she began that day i remember that day we were we were out really out of town and coming back into town and, and she felt a little little different and and then the next thing you know she had some contractions and that was just the first birth pains but uh, our, our baby danielle wasn't ready yet and so but it continued and throughout the night and then finally there came those contractions got so close and then Nina's broke water broke and we knew immediately okay we need to be at the hospital that's where we are in last days last day started 2000 years ago uh, when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected and conquered death and conquered the grave and made a way for us but now we're 2000 years closer and and Jesus says you can recognize the seasons that you know it's near that, that is coming. And you can see, as the world has changed, there's been a change. And it really, you know, just <clears throat> right after COVID, things progressively in the world has gotten worse. And, and you see a lot of this, what we're having described here in the Scripture in Second Timothy. So that's ways that you can see we're, we're not in tribulation, folks. You know, some folks think we're in tribulation now. No, we're not in tribulation. Tribulation, 
Folks, that's going to be seven years horrific. It's going to be so much destruction. It's going to be the worst time the world has ever have seen or experienced. Um, if tribulation was happening right now, there's approximately 8 billion people in the world today. Tribulation, in Revelation, it talks about the, the pale horse rider who comes in through famine and by the sword and through pestilence, sickness, destroys one-fourth of the population of the earth. If that was to happen, that would be two billion people today. Not to mention the star wormwood that comes in and destroys vegetations and bitters the waters. And tribulation is going to be a time of seven years that Jesus says if it wasn't cut short, men would just die of fear. And so I believe that we're closing in into the end of this age. But my belief is that, and I'm going to show you in the scripture why I believe this, is that the church will not be here to experience tribulation. I don't believe in mid-tribulation in three and a half years. I don't believe in post-tribulation. I believe in pre-tribulation that the church will be caught up. And I'm going to show you here in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And let me find it here in verse 4. Matter of fact, it's verse Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Now listen to this. This is Apostle Paul, and he's writing, and it's, it's relevant to us today. He's preaching to the Thessalonians. He's writing a letter to them, but it's for us today. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. He's talking about people who have died. He says, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died, catch this, and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. It says the people who put their faith in Jesus Christ and died before his second coming, when he comes back again to take the church and snatch up the church, that those dead in Christ are going to be with him. He says this right here. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, talking about the generation that is on the earth, when Jesus returns and remain until the coming of the Lord, will be by no means precede those who are asleep. Here's what's going to happen. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel. Glory to God. And with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So what happens when a person dies and they, and they know the Lord? They've been born again into the kingdom. How are you born again into the kingdom of God? You have to... You, you have to believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And when you confess that and believe that, then you're saved. You're born again. You become a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old passes away. That dead spirit passes away. And the new spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, comes and lives down inside of you. When a person dies with Christ Jesus, his body, his earth suit is buried in the ground. 
I mean, this is not you. This is just your earth suit. But it's buried in the ground, but the Spirit goes on living with the Lord in heaven. And then what takes place when Jesus comes back for his church, and this is what I was talking about, it says the dead in Christ will rise up. Those spirits will then come together with their body, a glorious body, and those who remain will be, look at this, will meet him and those believers who died and went before us in the air. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. See, we're going to be caught up in the clouds. Jesus is not returning to the earth in this first phase. He's returning to, to, to bring the church He's meeting us in the clouds. He's not meeting us on the earth. He's meeting us in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be, glory to God, with the Lord. So, when that trumpet sounds, and folks, it could happen today. It could happen this moment. As Peter says, the day of the Lord is like a thief in the night. It's not that the Lord's a thief. The day will sneak up on you like a thief in a twinkling in the eye. The Apostle Paul talks a twinkling of an eye. You know how quick that is? Scientists say that's one fortieth of a second. You know, before you can blink your eye, you're there with the Lord in the air, in the clouds, and you're selling to glory. Praise God. To bring the church out of the world to heaven to be with him, there'll be a seven-year marriage feast where we'll be with the Lord and tribulation will begin. So see right here when it says the dread of Christ and those alive remain and be caught up, that word caught up. That's where we get the term, we use the term rapture. It means to snatch up. So when that happens, and it can happen today, it can happen next week, it can happen who knows when, but we're getting close to that because you can see the signs of the time that God will snatch us up and bring us to be with him and will be with him forever. And this is therefore comfort. It says this, comfort one another with these words. It's very comforting to me to know that I'm going to escape tribulation because Jesus is not going to allow me to go through judgment that the world's going to face, that unbelievers face, but he's going to bring us out and snatch us, and we're going to be with him in heaven. Now, let's look over to Luke chapter 17. And I'm going to look at verses 22 through 30. This is talking about the coming of the kingdom. Then he said to the disciples, this is Jesus, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the, let me say this again, the days will come when you will desire to see one of these days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. What's gonna, what he's saying here, I believe, is that the world is going to get so bad, so corrupt that our souls are going to mourn. You're going to be almost like Lot, who was in Sodom and Gomorrah, that he just, his soul mourned to even be there. Uh, it's going to be 
like that and you're like you're you're going to be to the point like i'm ready for jesus return i'm ready for jesus return you're going to wish he had returned but there's going to be a time a season of birth pains all right and you will not see it and they will say to you look here or look there do not go after them or follow them for as the lightning that flashes out of one part of the heaven shines to the other part of the heaven so also the son of man will be in his day but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was with the days of Noah, now catch this, catch this. This is important. As it was in the days of Noah, this is Jesus saying, so it will also in the days of the Son of Man. Here's the days of Noah. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed all. Here's what I want to catch you. Tribulation's not going on right now because they are, they are marrying. They're doing business as usual. They're, they're partying. They're, listen, if tribulation was going on, there would be so many, so many billions of dead bodies. They're not going to have time for that. They're going to barely have time. They're not even going to be able to have funerals. It's just going to be mass chaos. So tribulation is not taking place. So he's saying here, as Noah entered the ark. Now, when did the flood for Noah? When did the flood take place? Before Noah got on the ark? No. No, it didn't. It didn't. It was after Noah entered the ark that he escaped the judgment that God had on the world at that time, and the flood came. Noah didn't experience the judgment. He was a righteous man. He was a righteous man before God. And so God saved him and his family. And so he didn't experience any of the judgment that the world faced. So that shows you pre-tribulation. He didn't experience any of that. He was protected. He escaped the wrath of God, the anger of God, by being in an ark. You know, we're in an ark, <laughs> the ark of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're in him. He's in the Father. The Father's in him, and, and we're abiding in him. We're safe through him. And just as he protected Noah, and the destruction didn't come until after he entered the ark, Destruction is not going to come until the earth, until the saints are snatched away, raptured up, caught up together. Then judgment comes. Look at this. He, he also he says, likewise, as it also, this is verse 28, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Just business as usual, you know, not thinking anything. No tribulation, no trials going on, not this great tribulation. But on that day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. When did the fire come? When did destruction come? When did the judgment come? After Lot left, not before Lot left. See, Lot escaped it. By the angels. If you look back in that story in Genesis, it talks about those two angels that came and they were at lots. This is how bad it had gotten on the world. 
those angels were in Lot's house, and there were men beating on the door. And the Bible talks about this, wanting to have sexual intercourse with those angels. And those angels looked at Lot and said, you need to get out of here. We are fixing to level this place. But the angels told Lot this. Now catch this. We cannot bring God's judgment on these people until you leave, Lot. So you need to get out of here. See, he didn't experience the tribulation and the judgment that was coming upon those people. The judgment of God, the wrath of God, the anger of God. He escaped it. Folks, we're the same way as the church. We will be raptured, snatched up, escape the destruction to come. Let's look at First uh, Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10. This is what 1 Thessalonians 9 through 10. Now, we're, what are we doing here? Why am I reading so much Scripture? We're letting Scripture interpret Scripture. We're letting Scripture translate, show us, because Scripture never contradicts, so it explains. We're letting Scripture explain Scripture. Verse 9, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. It's talking about the people of Thessalonians that, that they've turned from idols. They turn from idols and, and listen, today you're like well I don't, Pastor Arthur, I don't I don't worship some graven image but we have idols, we have things that we put before God, anything we put before God you know seek ye first the kingdom of God, the king of the kingdom of God you know, what, what, you, what your priority is, is what you put first in life. And some folks don't put God first in their life. But these people have turned from their idols, and they, and they sought God. And he says, and, and he says here that they turned to serve the living and true God. In verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven. What, what are we doing right now, church? We're waiting for the son to return. To what? To rapture the church. That's the first phase. See, the church has to the church has to be removed so judgment can come. The angels told Lot, we cannot bring judgment on these people until you're gone, Lot. So the body of Christ has to meet the head. Christ is the head of the church. We're his body to meet him in the air. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the what? The wrath to come. So God is delivering us through Jesus Christ from the wrath to come. What wrath? We're talking about tribulation. Seven years of tribulation. The second coming of Christ where he puts his foot on the Mount of Olives and there'll be judgment. That is what he delivers us from. So we're, we're, we escape. It didn't, say, it didn't say this. They raised from the dead, even Jesus, who helps us endure the wrath to come. It didn't say that. That protects us from the wrath to come. No. Delivers us. Causes us to escape from the wrath to come. 
Let's look at one more scripture, and we'll, we'll end it here tonight with this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and let's look at verses 8 through 11. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. It means keep your head on straight, all right? Walk circumspectly before the Lord. Know God's will for your life. Keep in touch with the relationship you have with God. It means be sober. Don't just, you know, just haphazardly be living life. Have some direction. Know what God has for you. But let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. Yeah, the just live by faith, right? That's what we do. The breastplate of faith. And what else? Together, love. Why? Because faith and love work together. Galatians says faith works through love. If your faith's not working, it's probably because your love's not working. So they both work together. Faith through love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to what? Catch this church to wrath. He did not appoint us to wrath. God did not appoint the church, Jesus Christ, to wrath. We don't have an appointment with tribulation. We don't have an appointment with God's judgment. We've been forgiven. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to escape that judgment. We're not going to be part of the tares. <laughs> We're part of him. We're grafted up in him. So we don't have an appointment with that. He didn't point us to wrath, but to what? Obtain salvation. Salvation. Soteria. Salvation. It's, it's, that's more than just the saving of the soul. It means saving us, causing us to escape from the wrath to come. Through our Lord Jesus Christ who died, how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake, if we're here when Jesus returns in the rapture, or if we sleep, if we die in our faith, Jesus Christ, he says this, we shall Live together with him. Now we're to comfort one another. The Apostle Paul says, comfort one another, edify one another. You know what edify means? It means to build up. Comfort one another with these words. It would not be comforting if I told you that, okay, you're born again, Christ Jesus. You're going to go through a tribulation period for seven years, and, and it's going to be horrific. You're going to be down there experiencing the judgment of unbelievers. And you're going to experience that, and, and there's no way to escape for it. Uh, there will be billions of people die from it. Some people will be beheaded, persecuted, and you'll probably be one of them. That's not comforting. That's not comforting. What's comforting is saying that Jesus is going to return, the Lamb of God, the Ancient of Days, the Lily of the Valley, the Rose of Sharon, the Bright and Morning Star. He is going to return with a shout of an archangel, and the trumpet's going to sound. And in a twinkling of the eye, those that sleep will rise up, and their bodies will become glorious bodies, and their spirits will inhabit their bodies, and those that remain. If we're still here... <laughs> And listen, folks, it, it could be tomorrow. It could be right 
in the next few moments. There's no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. The stage is already set. Now there's other prophecies that need to be fulfilled before tribulation comes. First, before judgment can come on the earth, the church has to be snatched up. It has to escape the tribulation. It has to escape it just as Noah, in Noah's days, he escaped it through an ark and how Lot was delivered by God. We will be delivered, and here's the wonderful news. We will live with him forever and ever in glory. He has prepared a mansion, the Bible says, in my father's house. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you this. He goes, I go to prepare a place for you. Can you imagine what that's going to be? 2,000 years of preparing a place. And he says, and when I come again, I will receive you unto myself. That's Jesus Christ. So what do we do with this, church? It should edify you. It should, it should build you up. It should make you want to go out and, and, and witness to people. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. The, we're still living in the age of grace. Birth pains are coming Trials are coming. Tribulations are on its way. We're, we're closer than ever before. It says, when you see these things, look up. For your salvation is nearer than ever. It draws near. And so what do we do, church? Do we just keep our eyes in the sky? No. Uh, keep one eye in the sky. Keep the other hand on the plow. Keep working. Keep believing. Amen. Keep dreaming. Keep prophesying. Keep having visions. Keep doing the work of the Lord. Serve the Lord. Don't just look at the world and say, oh, it's so dark. It's so bad. Yeah, it's dark, but we're children of light and we can bring light. We can bring salvation, the good news, the gospel to people that are lost and help them also escape the wrath of God. Isn't that wonderful that you could plant a seed and just you don't have to be a convincer just just witness just tell people what jesus has done for you in your life you'll be witnesses for him that means just share what god has done in your life don't be afraid to plant seed in people's lives about the good news you might you say well i don't want to be rejected i want to mock me i want to scoff well listen that's going to happen anyway. That's going to happen anyway. But you don't want their blood on your hands. Don't be, don't be fearful in planting a seed because let the seed do the work. Amen. Someone plants, someone waters, and God gives the increase. Glory to God. That's how it works. Sometimes you plant a seed. There's been times that, folks, that I have spoken and witnessed to people about what Christ did in my life. And you think, they're going to get saved in one big giant stroke, and they don't. A lot of times they don't. They just walk off. But that seed starts working. It starts convicting their heart. It starts growing. Then someone comes along and waters that thing, the thing that you planted. And, and somebody prophesies or preaches or they hear a message or they hear a word of truth or the Holy Spirit makes something real to them and it waters. And next thing, harvest. God gives the increase. Praise God. Hope this helped you here this evening. We'll, we'll continue with this. This is such a good question to start off with. 
Uh, are we living in end times? And the answer is yes, we are living in end times and, and we, are, we are entering, I would say, birth pains, contractions. Uh, but I want us to know and I believe that we will be caught up, we'll be raptured as a church and we will have to experience judgment. And as I've shown you in scripture to interpret it through Noah and as Jesus also has talked about Lot. So let's go in the Lord and ask him to pray. I hope you have a blessed week. You know, expect good things. God's got good things for you. If you're here today, be tuning in first time, we'd love to hear from you. Leave a comment. Uh, let us know how the Lord's working. If we need to pray for you, go to our website, uh, velocitybrenham.org. Um, anything that we could help you, we're praying for you, we're believing for you. Even if you're not a part of this community, uh, if you just like to tune in, we, we, we hope this will bless you. And we believe that God will bless you with his word here today. And uh, we love you guys, and, and we, we are, we're for you. I, I love the, our body of believers. If you're ever in Brenham, Texas, uh, we were planning on building off of uh, Lounge Road. We've got some property bought out there. But right now, Lord has us in a movie theater at Westwood Cinema 6 in Brenham, Texas. If you're ever driving through, come and visit us. You'll meet some people that are wonderful people that love the Lord with all their heart and they'll want good for you. Amen. It's not just about themselves. They want good for you and they want good for others. So, Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We, we just praise you, Father God, for your word. And, and, Father, I just pray that it went on good ground today and it'll bring a harvest, a hundredfold harvest. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening today. To stay connected, visit us online at velocityburnham.org and follow us on Instagram. And if you're ever in the Burnham area, we'd love to have you visit us on a weekend. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.